Hey, it's John from CityCast. If you're in the mood to pamper yourself a little bit this week while supporting cruelty-free products, you should check out Bone Cur Home and Wellness. It's the best place in Portland to find everything from chic home decor to cannabis accessories. They've got a curated collection of vegan and cruelty-free home goods and wellness products because their name is French for kind heart, after all. You'll get a 20% discount on your first order when you sign up for emails this week at boncoeur.net. That's B-O-N-C-O-E-U-R.net. And use the code BONCOEURCITYCAST20. Oregon lawmakers are working on a $200 million plan to boost semiconductor manufacturing in the state. But part of that plan would give the governor, Tina Kotek, some unprecedented power to make decisions about where new factories should go, including on some of the Portland metro area's most desirable and rare farmland. I'm John Natariani, in for Claudia Meza. Today on CityCast Portland, we're talking with Aaron Nichols, co-owner of Stoneboat Farms, which is north of Hillsboro. What happens when farmland starts growing microchips? It's Tuesday, March 14th. This is what Portland's talking about. So you own a farm in Helvetia, Oregon, and I kind of want to get a sense of what this space is like. What is your area like? What does it look like from outside of your front window? What it looks like from outside my front window is mostly trees because I, I live next to next to a small woodlands. But if you look out pretty much anywhere else in Helvetia from almost anywhere on my farm, you see a lot of working landscapes around us. Um, and then on my farm, we grow vegetables. So we grow vegetables for 500 or so families for a CSA um, for most of the year. And that's most often what I see. And how far are those rows of vegetables from the city, from the urban areas? Yeah, that's something that's really, truly amazing about Helvetia is that I can bike to Hillsboro. So we're very, very close. Most of our CSA members pick up right here on the farm because we're, you know, 10 minutes from the house, 20 minutes from their house, not much farther than the store would be. Yeah, yeah. Well, this farmland is now right in the middle of uh, potentially this major battle with a new law, this Senate bill that is trying to stimulate semiconductor production in Oregon. Semiconductor industry is really big, uh, but how does this law potentially affect you and your community? This law looks like it's targeting about uh, 1,700 acres of farmland that is uh, visible from my farm. And it runs uh, from Hillsboro to North Plains and would cut us off from the rest of the farmland out to our west. Um, For us, it's a problem because farmland needs to be connected. We really rely on each other to to farm. we need, you know, tractor dealerships and welders and people who can fix equipment. Um, and those people are starting to leave already. And as as we get cut off here with just a small area of farming, they'll they'll move farther west and it'll be longer to get our equipment fixed and that sort of thing. Yeah, and I do want to just sort of give a little bit of context. The the whole idea is that this law is going to give the governor a ton of discretionary power to sort of change the use in some of these areas, right? Like, yeah, there's a bunch of farmland that is designated as farmland. That could change under this bill. Yeah, I, I think it's worth looking a little bit at the history for this this specific set of farmland. It was put into the uh, rural reserves for 50 years, just nine years ago. So everyone here has been expecting that that would stay rural and stay farmland for at least 41 more years. And this bill gives the governor the power to 
simply move that into the urban growth boundary with 20 days of notice, um, which I mean, 20 days of notice is not enough time to get a crop off the land, but uh, no one can plan a farm business that last generations around yeah. a system that could move land into a city within within 20 days. Yeah, yeah. And and one of the things that I found interesting that I didn't really know anything about is just the distinction of different types of farmland. It's yeah. not like all dirt is created the same. Uh, and you said that this is a huge concentration of what's called like class one and class two farmland. Um, for those of us that don't know a ton about dirt, what does that mean? And why is that so important? Yeah, the soil you're on is a limiting factor for for what you can grow and how well you can grow and how much you can grow. Um, the lands being considered for inclusion in the urban growth boundary are actually Oregon's last large section of class one farmland. And class one farmland means that there are no obstacles. The soil drains well, so that means you can get out there in the spring and plant your vegetables as soon as it stops raining. Um, we've used up approximately half or more of the good farmland around here for, for urban growth already. Um, and this would be our last big section of class one farmlands, and it would start to impinge on, on the next section. And the next section is our, is our last section of, of, of good, good farmland. Yeah, it's so interesting because I've always thought, you know, we have all these farms that are in proximity to the city. And I thought that just the connection between there being this rural area next to the city was kind of the whole point, was that it's close to the major urban center. I didn't realize that it's also that this is really special dirt. It is, yeah, it's really special dirt. And the, one of the reasons Oregon has these land use laws is that Oregon has some of the very best soil in the world, but it is only in the in the valley floors. And that's also where our cities are. And so the reason we put in these pretty stringent land use restrictions is because the cities were allowed to grow as much as as they did in, say, like California or another state that doesn't have strong land use protections, we would see all of our farmland gone very quickly. There's not there's not that much of it, but it's very productive and can produce a lot of food. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there has been a tension between these farmlands and the urban areas right next door for a long time. Uh, I mean, there was a big dust up about land use in your area about 12 years ago that yeah. actually got settled. Um but this is kind of a different situation. Like you said, it could move really quickly. If this law does go through, the land gets recategorized. People are able to build giant semiconductor manufacturing facilities in this space. Like what actual challenges would that create for you and your farm? I mean, first I'd say I, I hope that, I mean, I hope they do not take the land. But should they take land, I hope it is a semiconductor fab. I think the worry is this bill does not promise a semiconductor fab. It, it hopes that a semiconductor fab would come. And so the last thousand acres, we, we've kind of seen this before. And so we do know what will happen on our farm. You know, Hillsborough got a thousand acres about, yeah, I think they got it 12 years ago and started working on it nine years ago or something like that. But um, what's been put in have been a lot of light industrial um, data centers, uh, a top golf and um, the notorious top golf, the notorious top golf. But segmenting farmland, kind of like segmenting wildlife corridors, I think it's harder to work when you're separated from other people who are doing the same thing. So uh, when I have tools break, I can borrow, like, you know, I had a disc break, I can borrow a disc from, from a neighbor. But again, if, if I don't have farmers around me, I can't borrow that disc. And, and that means, you know, if you miss a couple of days in the spring, that can be the difference between acres of vegetables planted. It's uh, so interesting yeah. to think that, like, okay, there's this major policy in effect, but, like, what it comes down to for you is being able to have access to tractor parts. And that's not yeah. a small thing. That really is like a make or break situation for your business. It's a make or break situation for our business, yeah. And for, for many of the other 
farms around. And my farm is more self-contained, but other farms, the grass seed farms, and you know, we all depend on grass seed. It's what what feeds the animals that make the the meat that that we eat. Um, the grass seed farms are pretty much only in Oregon. We produce ninety some percent of the grass seed in the world, and they're renting this land. And so, mm-hmm. as as that land disappears, you know, if they lose half their acreage to rent, their business is not likely to be viable. They have to pay for these giant combines and, and other other tools. Um, so they they could lose their businesses. They go out of farming, and then the land is even more likely to be taken for non-farm uses. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about what this law could do. But first, let's take a quick break. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, you've been really engaged in the process of keeping an eye on what's going on with this bill. You've been really outspoken about it. Um, You actually offered testimony in the legislature about what this could mean for you and your farm. And I I wanted to just highlight one passage from your testimony. Uh, You said, how can I rent more land when someone can make a hundred times the money selling to a developer to put up a top golf, most concerningly, this process rewards power, influence, and money, and not long-term thinking. It sounds like exactly what you're saying right now. Do you have any other thoughts on that point? Yeah, I guess that is that is kind of the core of my argument that people who have power and money will be able to use this process. Um, the land use process traditionally takes many years, has many professionals looking at many things like tractor parts and the hundreds of other factors that go into what happens when we make large-scale land use changes. This bill gives all of that power to one person, the governor, who I'm sure will try to make a good decision, but she has, I believe, 20 days or so that she often is making these decisions and it's 20 days of public comment. And so um, Mm -hmm. comparing that to years of of land use process, we're just not going to get as good a decision. And the people who are most able to to work on those uh, 20-day time frame and a, a time frame like that are the people who already are in the governor's office, who already have their bids lined up. And so the governor and just the governor will be allowed to choose which land goes into the urban growth boundary and which doesn't. So whose land gets suddenly 100 times more valuable and then whose isn't. Not that I believe she would do it, but if she needed votes on a housing bill and she could give some uh, senator or representative uh, extra 100 acres in their urban growth boundary they've been lobbying for, she has the power to do that without review. It sounds like the concern isn't just about like this very specific use case of you know what is being discussed about semiconductor production, it is sort of about the precedent and the fact that this has been protected land for a long time, and this bill could change that. Yeah, and this bill includes up to uh, 11 more parcels in Oregon, which are not defined. And so it does give the governor a very wide-ranging power to change land use laws with Mm -hmm. virtually no appeal. It, It is not allowed to be appealed to the normal land use courts. It can only be appealed directly to the Supreme Court. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, this law is still being chewed over and discussed. Uh, It hasn't passed yet, and it hasn't even really been finalized. There's still a number of amendments that are being offered. People like you are giving public testimony, both in favor of it and opposed to it. And I'm wondering, like, what you would like to see specifically changed in this bill to make it to be able to protect 
people like you, like your farm and your community? Yeah. My first ask of the committee that I've been um, in communication with is to keep industrial uses on industrial lands. Um, One thing that the committee did that was very helpful is they found many sites of a thousand or even sometimes more acres of, of industrial land that's been kept by cities. So I believe Wilsonville has around a thousand acres. Medford has almost 600 acres. Redmond has 900 acres. Even Hillsborough has 700 acres inside the UGB, which is not being used yeah. for fabs, um, but has not been built on yet. Um, Just so, to, to remind, UGB is the urban growth boundary, which yeah, is sort of the line you. around a city where you can or cannot do uh, industrial production. And fabs are the semiconductor factories, right? Correct. Yes, exactly. So these are industrial uses. And Oregon's land use, besides protecting um, farmland, it also protects industrial land and tries to keep these large sites together so that when somebody like an Intel wants to put up a new semiconductor manufacturer, they have the space for it. As this has been going along, the city of Wilsonville has testified explaining how many acres they have and what they need to get it ready. And all of this, although it is um, used industrial land, is much of it is more ready than the farmland that's being looked at. It's kind of a win-win. Like We don't have to mess with our land use and there is industrial land. Um, and that also spreads the, spreads the wealth out. Hillsborough has a number of intels. Wilsonville doesn't have any. Corvallis doesn't have any. Maybe consider these places that, that have the land and need the jobs. Yeah. My second would be, if it does turn out that we just cannot site it in, in this industrial land, then what the semiconductor industry needs is land. They don't need the best farmland. And so choose, mm-hmm. choose sections that aren't the best farmland. Consult with soil scientists. There's soil scientists who have written in offering their consultations, <laughs> um, and none of them think this is the place to go. Yeah, so, I mean, and maybe this is obvious and doesn't even need to be said, but once you take this super world-class land and build a factory on it, that farmland's never coming back, right? Right. Yeah. There is no. There is no returning farmland to farmland. Once that process happens, that is the end of the farmland. Um, in you know our lifetime, or kids' lifetime, or grandkids' lifetime, it's not. It's not coming back. Yeah. Well. Well. Like I said, this isn't the first time that there's been uh, tension between maintaining this farmland and the sort of inevitable desire for growth of like industrial and commercial areas. Do you think? that having this farmland within a bike ride of Hillsborough is something that's going to exist in 50 years in our region? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, until recently, I thought that we were likely to stay here. Looking at it right now, it, I am more concerned. To be able to make those long-term decisions and to be able to think of like what Oregon needs in 50 years, we have to think about it. It can't be done in a month or two by 10 people on, a, on one committee. Um, and when land use is made in that way, then we will turn into a, a California or, or any other state that is happy to, to bulldoze farmland and let cities just sprawl. Yeah, yeah. In your testimony, you called for visionary leadership. You said seeing what could be there in 100 years, not just 10 or 20. And I'm wondering, you know, if you had your magic wand, what would that visionary <laughs> plan be for our region? Yeah, I think the visionary plan for our region is to keep the best farmland um, in farming. I believe that we will need that to grow our food and to continue to grow the, the agricultural crops we grow now. Um, during COVID, we saw you know food disappearing from shelves and people were, were very desperate to get more food. And meanwhile, big farms in, in California and Florida were, were tossing food away because they couldn't get the supply chains to work for them to get the food where it needed mm. to go. Um, Mm-hmm. At the same time, small farms like my farm and the farms around me and uh, other CSA farms in the area, we pivoted. We tripled our CSA that year. We had huge farmers markets, almost 
I'd say added 50% again to our production and then 50% again the next year because we could pivot quickly and we saw the problem in our community and we were able to take care of that. And so being able to keep an industry that can do that and hopefully grow an industry that can do that because I don't, I don't think we're done with supply chain disruptions. I don't think we're not even be done with pandemics, you know, I think climate change will, will continue to play a very similar role in disrupting supply chains, disrupting food supplies. And if we don't have a local small scale to medium scale to large scale, a combination of all to be able to pivot and be able to take care of the problems we see in our community, we're going to be relying on broken supply chains for, for the things that we eat. Yeah. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for walking us through all of this. And yeah, good luck to you and your farm. Thanks, John. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your attention to this issue and, and to farmland in general. It's a big part of what keeps Portland, Portland. And now for your microdose of news. Prices are up on everything from groceries to gas, but there is one Oregon staple that is not subject to inflation. Oregon cannabis. The price fell last year, and it's expected to continue to decline. Basically, there's a ton of supply out there, and the demand is having trouble keeping up. State officials estimate that demand for cannabis was just 63% of the available supply last year, according to the Oregonian. Part of the problem is that more states have legalized pot, so people don't want to have to travel here just to get legal product. And congratulations to the team that helped propel Guillermo del Toro's film Pinocchio to a victory at the Oscars on Sunday night. The movie won the Academy Award for Best Animated Film. It was mostly shot at the Portland offices of the stop-motion animation studio Shadow Machine. The win showcases the fact that Portland has become a hub of stop-motion animation, according to Portland Monthly. For more local news and events, sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. We'll throw a link in the show notes. Well, that's all for us today on CityCast Portland. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend about it. Give us a rating or write us a review. I'm John Natariani, in for Claudia Meza. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's.